Thank you for connecting to this podcast for Faith Renewed. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. So if you have a Bible, I want you to grab that if you would. If you didn't bring your Bible, we'll have the scripture on the screen for you. And if you need a Bible, stop by the Connect booth there in the back. We'll give you one uh, if you need that. But uh, I want you to open up to the book of Esther, chapter 4. <clears throat> Esther, chapter 4. This is a small book tucked in there between Nehemiah and Job. And so uh, you can open up to chapter 4. We're actually going to uh, go through this story today of uh, the life of Esther, the name there that you see on the book. And uh, we're going to kind of go through 10 chapters, which is going to be like pretty cool uh, to go through 10 books. And you're like, oh, no. And uh, it, we'll, we'll, it's going to still happen. We're going to get you done, get you out of here, still get people baptized. And it will not be four o'clock this afternoon, I promise. So uh, Esther chapter four. Um, let's pray first before we jump into this thing. God, you're good. You're so good. You're incredible, and your love is amazing, God. So we just thank you, Lord, that your love chases us. It sets us up, puts us in place today, God, to receive from you. So, God, today as your word goes forth, open up hearts to receive. And uh, each person today, God, I pray, Lord, they'll be receptive today of what you want to say to them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to review uh, last week. I'm going to jump straight into the, today's message. If you missed last week, go online, listen to that. It's on their free of charge. Go, go check that out. Listen and look at the uh, life of Nehemiah, pretty cool story. But today we're going to continue. We're in a series right now, as you can see on the screen, called The Greatest Stories Ever Told. And uh, these are actually just stories straight from the Bible as we go through the Old Testament. So we've been journeying through this thing. And so today we're going to look at uh, this story called uh, the, of the life of this lady named Esther. And so today I'm going to take, um, I guess, a little bit of a different approach in the message itself. And so um, hope you just kind of will be able to bear with me, flow with me as I kind of take a little bit different kind of kind of vibe, I guess, as the Holy Spirit li- led me to kind of go this direction. I, I'll typically kind of, uh, you know, study the story, kind of share what God's put on my heart and place that throughout the message. But today I want to do this as much as possible is basically just share the story with you before anything. I, because I feel like just the story itself here is going to speak to you. I feel like that today, instead of me just saying, hey, I, I feel like God's saying this, or maybe this, or those types of deals, just as the word goes forth, he speaks directly to your heart and you receive. And I believe today he's going to speak to you. He's going to, it's going to be amazing. Some of you are going to be like, oh my goodness, God knew. Yeah, he knows. And so uh, it's kind of cool like that. So today, as we do this, kind of again, take this different approach. I just want to kind of go through the story. And so first of all, uh, the story begins here in chapter one. And, uh, and in chapter one, we see some of the first characters that are introduced here in the story. And so the characters in this first all this story, there's a king and a queen. And so uh, your Bible, People may uh, name it one person one way, or, or there's a couple of different names you see depending upon the translation. Uh, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to refer to him as king. And so when you, when, I, when you hear that, you'll know that I'm speaking of the king here of Persia, of this story here. And so the, first of all, we see that this king has great wealth, as we see most folks in this position in this time would have. And he has a great deal of wealth. He's very boastful and very, very prideful and loves to, in uh, some ways, kind of put on display, 
you know, kind of what he has. And so he does this. If you, if you kind of look at chapter 1, and so uh, you would see that where he actually calls for a six-month feast. So for six months, it's kind of like, hey, there's a party and there's this big feast going on. And so there's a lot of celebration happening. And so it's amazing. This story is a trip. And so kind of near the end of the six months, it comes to the last seven days. And so the last seven days of this celebration, he cranks it up. I mean, this is a feast. This is a celebration. And so what would happen during this time customary here in Persia, you would see that where custom would say that they would split up into places where the men would kind of do their thing and celebrate, party, do their deal, and the ladies would go do likewise. And so we actually see this here. We see that the guys would come together. And so for seven days, it's kind of like, man, the fellows are going to get together. Come on. The boys is going to get together. The boys is going to hang out. You know, me and the boys. So the boys get together. The fellas hang out. And then it just begins to go downhill. Sometimes the boys getting together does. And so what happens? The fellas get together. They began to drink. And so the story says that they began to drink. The king got to a place to where he was like tore up, had a lot of drink. And it says that the queen had called now for a party as well. The ladies were together. The king does this. Now, again, just as I just try to share the story, the king calls for the queen to come forward and wear her crown. Now, I don't know, some, some historians would say that in this time frame, and I could kind of see this being the case, kind of alcohol getting involved, partying for seven days, things getting nuts, getting crazy, that he calls her to come forward. And what he wants to do is he wants to put her on display. Uh, some, some stories would say that, again, all he was wanting her to wear was the crown, nothing else, but just come and be put on display. It was kind of like, hey, here's my trophy wife, and this is, this is my girl. And so he wanted to be boastful of this. She said, absolutely not. Come on. Come on. And, and so absolutely not. We see here actually a rejection where Queen Vashti rejects the king's request for her to come forward. She says, no, I'm not doing that. And so it, it begins a series of events. Things begin to unfold. So this is what happens. Because of this, he gets ticked off. He sends her and banishes her from the kingdom. Nope, not coming around here anymore. You're going to treat, nah, you don't reject my offer. You don't do this. And so all the fellows get upset. They get mad because the girls didn't come for a parade, do their thing. So they start telling the king, King, you got to do something about this. You, you got to stop this kind of stuff from happening. If it's happening in your house, it's going to happen everywhere. So he sets a decree. He actually sends out this decree. It goes to all of, of the, the, the people there in that nation that the women are supposed to do there what the man said. And so, uh, it's just there, it's in the Bible. I'm just telling the story. And so, it, so they tell this. And so it's kinda, it kind of leaves chapter one like that. So you're kind of now at the end of chapter one. Now you go into chapter two. And in chapter two, this is what happens. You find the king had done calm down. Probably had a hangover, probably come back, and he come back to his senses. He's looking around. He's like, where's my girl at? And they said, oh, yeah, you banished her. So at first he was like, okay, just go ahead and tell her she can come on back. 
And, and, and his cronies, his people steps in and they said, no, 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 no. You already said that you're going to ask for this new queen. You've already set this thing in motion. Don't stop now. Keep it going. Because these guys, I believe they were a bunch of perverts probably. And so what they knew would happen is this. They knew there'd be a bunch of, bunch of women brought in before the king. They'd get to celebrate and be a kind of part of that, get left over. Just get, I'm telling you, it's crazy. It's the Bible. Don't get mad at me. It's just here. And so this crazy stuff's going on. And so they're like, hey, let this thing unfold. So he does that. He actually begins to now build the harem. And so he actually, they go and take women from the, uh, the town and begin to bring them into a harem. There's someone who's over the harem. And so what they would do, it would be like this year-long process of getting this extreme makeover. They're getting to eat certain foods and makeup put on and take us. It's just crazy. All that kind of begins to go on here. And then they would take and bring the ladies before the king now. I'm being said to get us to this point to where we find now the character of Esther come into the story. Now, Esther here was uh, adopted by a man named Mordecai. Mordecai was a family member already who adopts her as his own, loves her, takes her in, raises her, and becomes now her father. And so now Esther, who was named Hadassah previously, now is named, he gives her the name Esther. And so now Esther now is one of the girls that was brought before the king. Now, you got to understand something. Esther and Mordecai were Jewish. They, again, through a bunch of series of events, ended up where they were at. A lot of things took place. You'd have to just study how all of some of this falls in place. It's just wild. But God puts people and has them in certain places and things get crazy. But now this happens. Esther gets brought in, paraded before the king. The king says... She bad. Bring her in. I want her to be my queen. So according to the Bible, she was a, a pretty a woman who caught his eye. And he says that I want you to bring her in. I want you to make her the queen. And so now she's put in this position of queen. It's kind of wild how, again, all this stuff happens. And so she gets there. Now Mordecai loves his daughter. He loves, he loves Esther. And so he would actually go to the gate there of the city to try to have a conversation with her and get messages to her. And so while he's there, he finds out something. There's a plot to kill the king. Now, this is wild. Plot twist. All right, so there's a plot to kill the king, and he, he hears about this. He gets message to Esther that the king is going to be killed. She does this. She goes in and tells the king what's going to happen, and she attributes Mordecai for being the one for exposing this, this, this plan to take them out. They find the culprits, hang the culprits, and then you're kind of like, man, Mordecai is going to be lifted up. But it did happen like that. Because in chapter 3... Now we see this. In chapter 3, there's another character introduced to the story, and his name, dun-dun-dun, Haman. All right, Haman is, is um, he's an idiot. He's, uh, he's one of these guys here uh, who is just... Uh, very, very prideful. He, he's, he's a liar, manipulator. He tries to get in, cause destruction. And he actually now gets himself appointed into the position of the highest political rank of office here in this government. Now, what he loved was this. Now that he was kind of placed in position of authority, that when he would walk around because of his, his garments, people would bow down to him. Now, there's this guy named Mordecai we've been talking about. Mordecai, again, Jewish. See, we, we know that, again, we've been studying these stories about who their God was and who they bowed down to and who they worshiped. And he says, I'm not going to bow down to this man. 
And so he doesn't do it. And so he actually now, everybody else is bowing. He's the only one kind of standing around at the gate. People see this happening. They go to Haman and tell him, there's this guy here at the gate named Mordecai. He won't bow down to you. And this is why Haman's pride rises up. And he says, man, I, I tell you one thing, we'll take care of this. We'll kill him. Not only will we kill him, we'll, we'll kill all his people because he finds out now this is a Jewish guy. And again, there's a lot of stuff going on in this story. I, I, I think, again, i got to stay with, my, stay with what's going on, but I, I think this is just a plot, again, to try to kill the Jewish people to stop the Messiah from coming forth. And anytime, again, you see an enemy working in your life, he's trying to stop the Messiah from coming forth in your life. And, and that's, just, that's a cool side note. Let me get back to chapter, chapter 4. <clears throat> in chapter 4 now, we see where it gets real. It gets ugly because, because Haman is, is, is upset because Mordecai won't bow to him. He does this. I'm going to take out the entire Jewish nation. That's where he plans on killing every one of those people. And so he gets this plan in place. He's upset. The decree gets issued. He gets the king to sign off on it, to give the thumbs up. Uh, Haman said, man, I'll pay for it myself. I'll do whatever has to be done. So he steps in. King gives a thumbs up. This thing keeps going on. And then it gets crazy because now they know they're about to be killed. Mordecai does this. Mordecai, according to custom, they would, they would kind of like mourn in this way. They tore their clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and it was an outward sign of showing what was something that was going on in the heart. So now he would do this. <clears throat> he goes to the gate of where he had been getting notes now to, to, to uh, Esther there in the palace. And he's telling her, man, this is going on. She finds out he's tore his clothes. She's like this good daughter, and so she sends him some clothes. He's like, man, I don't, it ain't about to close. There's something else happening. He gets a message to her in chapter 4, and he tells her that you need to see this thing's bigger. There's actually now, it wasn't that plot to destroy the king. It's, 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 now this plot is to destroy our people. Now, in, in verse 14, and we'll actually look at that verse. Um, in verse 14, you, you hear probably some of the most uh, quoted words from the book of Esther, but uh, I hope this helps you understand the context in which that, those words were said. In verse 14, it says this, For if you remain completely silent at this time, again, he's trying to get this message to Esther. You, you've, you've got to do something. You've been placed in this position. You're there for a reason. Look at what happens. Uh, if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. Again, God, speak to us. Let us get this. Again, your plan will unfold, but we don't want to miss this. So he says, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet you know whether you have come to the kingdom, and we hear those words, for such a time as this. This does something to her heart. She, she said, man, there's a bigger picture here. Uh, uh, there's something else going on. And so it goes on in verse 15 that she does this. She says, then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither, drink, neither eat nor drink for three days, uh, three not days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Now again, something stirred down in her heart and some changes begin to happen. She begins to realize, you know something, God's placed me here for a reason. 
I'm here for a purpose. And so she says, I'm going to step forward in that purpose. And we see in chapter five where she now comes and she steps before the king. Now, again, if, if you wasn't brought before in this time, it could got ugly. You could be put to death. But again, she's found favor. The king does this. He sees her and he remembers like, man, no wonder I made her queen. All right, bring her on in here. And so he sees her and he does this. He says, I want you to do this. I'll do anything for you, queen. I, I'll even give you half my kingdom. And so this is what she says. She says, this is what I want. I, I want you, king, if you would, I want you to bring Haman and I want you guys to come over for dinner. Now, okay, interesting request, but that, that happens. And so remember that prideful Haman guy is kind of like pumped because he's getting again to go hang out with the big wigs and be there in the palace. And so they go, they fellowship with one another. And Esther actually tells the, the king, she says, I, I, this is my request that y'all come back again tomorrow night. Okay. And so we'll do that. She said, then I'll share my heart. So this is wild. Haman leaves. He's pumped. He goes home. He's, he's talking smack to his family, saying, man, I'm the man. He starts saying all this stuff's going on. And as he goes out, he sees that Mordecai, again, there at the gate, people's bowing. This guy does and He gets frustrated. And then he's like, man, I'm tired of this. We're going to take this guy out. So he devises this plan, and you can, you can study this in chapter 5. It's really cool. He builds gallows, and the gallows are like 70 foot, uh, 75 feet high, and he's going to hang uh, Mordecai on those gallows. And so it's just kind of like, man, he's like, man, finally going to get my revenge. This thing's going to happen. Enemy was pumped about what he was getting ready to do. And then chapter 6 happens. In chapter 6, the king is laying there in the bed. He's getting ready to uh, have dinner again that next night with, with the queen and with Haman. And so he's laying there in bed, and he can't sleep. And they don't have the luxury. They don't flip over Netflix and go to Charter on Demand and, and, and go to those things. He, he's the king, so he didn't even just even get out a book and read his own book. You know, so this is what he does. This is what kings do, I guess. He, he just calls one of his people to come in and read to him. <laughs> So if I get tired, I can't sleep, I may call some of y'all if y'all just hey, give you something to do. Nah, no, I wouldn't do that. But this is crazy. They come before the king and they start reading. And so they're actually reading the Chronicles. They're reading history books and they're starting to tell the kind of things that's happening. And as they're talking, as they're sharing, they come to the part in the story that happened back when Mordecai exposed the plan for the king to be killed. King's like, oh yeah, man, I remember that story. He said, what, what did we do for Mordecai? <laughs> They're like, um, we, we, they didn't do anything for him. He didn't get any kind of promotion. Nothing happened. He, it, nothing went down. He's like, are you, oh no, we can't have that. So this is what he does. He's like, man, we've got to do something. Something's got to be done for this guy because this guy a, has a you know, great honor. He saved my life. He did something really, really big. And so something needs to be done for him. So he does this. Is there anybody in the court who I can kind of bring in some of my, my, my people and, and bring them in and kind of bounce this idea off, talk to them a little bit. So this is kind of what's going on. It's kind of wild. Haman happens to be showing up because Haman's coming into the king's palace because he wants to go before the king and tell them, we need to do this. We need to kill this Mordecai guy. I've had enough. I'm ready to go ahead and hang him. I'm not just waiting on to kill all of his people. I'm going to go and kill him now. I've had enough of this guy. We're going to take him out. So he's actually already there for that reason. 
Again, just God's put stuff in position and put them in place. So Haman comes in, he comes before the king, and so they have this conversation, and again, that pride rises up in Haman. And let's, let's read this together. Esther chapter 6, verse 6, it says now, So Haman came in, the king asked him, What shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? Haman thought in his heart, who would be the king? Uh, uh, who would the king delight to honor more th than me? And Haman answered the king. So he thought, hey, I'm getting ready to tell him what I would like to see done for me. So he, this is what he does. He tells them these things. He says, then Haman answered the king, for the man whom the king delights to honor, let a royal robe be brought, which the king has worn, and a horse on which the king has ridden, which uh, has a royal crest placed on his head. Then let this robe and horse be delivered to the hand of the one of the king's most noble princes, that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor. Then parade him on horseback through the city, through the city square, and proclaim before him, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. <laughs> now he, he's thinking, he's telling all this kind of stuff about what's getting ready to be done to him. While he's there, remember to kind of go tell him that, hey, we need to kill this Mordecai guy. And so, verse 10, then the king said to Haman, Haman's like, oh, it's about to be on, man. This is awesome. All right, hurry, take the robe, the horse, as you suggested, and do so for Mordecai the Jew. <laughs> Who sits within the king's gate. Leave nothing undone of all that you have spoken. So Haman took the robe and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city square and proclaimed before him. Imagine this picture. The person he was wanting to kill, he's parading him through. He's like, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. See why I'm saving my points to the end? Because God's speaking to some of y'all right now. Receive this. And then Haman has to go home and tell everyone. Oh, yeah, remember that guy I was going to hang? Yeah, I just got through parading him through the streets. They said, bro, you toast. You're done. It's over for you. You know that, right? He's wore out. He's freaking out. He's struggling his mind. And then it shows up. People pick him up and remember, remind him that he's supposed to go to dinner with the king and queen. So now what we get to see in chapter 7 is that now Haman is brought now for dinner and they come in and they're having this, this dinner together and the king's like, Esther, what is it that I can do for you? What is it that can be done? You said this would happen. And remember Haman's having to sit there in this dinner as Esther begins to tell the story. I want to tell you something, king. There's this, there's this, there's this guy there. He's out there to destroy our entire generation, our entire people. He's trying to destroy me. He's trying to take my life. He's telling him this stuff. The king's getting upset. He's getting frustrated. And Haman's kind of, squat, kind of sliding down in his seat, hoping that maybe she don't expose him. And she says, the guy in the room, name is Haman. King's, I mean, upset. And in chapter 7, verse 10, it says, So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. <laughs> 
See, some of y'all trying to take stuff at your own hands, do your own thing. Just hang on. Let's let God do his thing because he's going he to hang him by his own rope and, and, and took him out. And he just let this thing unfold. And in chapter 8, Esther goes now before the king on behalf of all the Jewish people. And the king grants freedom to them all. He takes the ring of authority that was once upon Haman's hand, and he says, I want you to now bring before me Mordecai. And he takes Mordecai before him. He places the ring upon his hand, and it says in uh, chapter 8, verse 15, so Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white with a great crown of gold and garment of fine linen and purple, and the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. The story bad, dude. I'm telling you, the story is amazing. And we see the hand of God at work. And in chapter 9, we see that everything that was to be done to the Jewish people was now done to the enemy that was trying to destroy their life. And in chapter 10, we get to see now the book being closed and that chapter ending and this story coming to an, a, an end where Mordecai is now placed in one of the highest positions of authority in the kingdom. Now, again, I just, I, my prayer was, God, speak as the story goes forth. I hope you've been open to hearing. And so, uh, I, again, I shared in a little bit different light. I, I do want to just share just a few of the small things that kind of God spoke to my heart. And so, just a, just a few. Because, again, there's so many ways, again, I believe this story uh, can speak to us today. There's so many. But just, I want to share three quick ones. The first one is this, is that God can turn any situation around. Please understand that. Please know that right now, God is at work whether you see him or not. He's at work whether you see it or not. You may think this thing's never going to happen. He's at work whether you see it or not. I, I, don't, I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in providence. And, and, and God is on the throne and he's in control and he's at work. And he can take any situation. He can turn it around. Right now, some of you, man, like, man, I want to do this. Listen, just keep trusting God. And listen, he can turn any situation around, man. He can put people in position in the right place at the right time to do the right thing. Listen, God's at work right now. Right now he's at work. Trust that. Trust that. That's just one of the things. One of the second thing he showed me was this, that we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. Now for some that may be like, oh no, oh no, oh no. Oh no. No, listen, please listen. We always kind of look at that in bad light. That's good news. It's good news. Put some, just, just start sowing, man, into the kingdom. Start sowing into the work of the Lord. It will be, uh, bring back harvest for you. It will happen for you. You see God show up. You see people, man, again, Mordecai did something good and nobody ever acknowledged it. He had to go on his way, do his life and say, man, I thought maybe something good would come of this. It did in the right time. Not good preaching right there, Pastor. You are preaching right now. That is so good. So listen, keep sowing. Keep walking this thing out. And the third and final thing, again, he just showed me, again, many, is that teamwork is a very powerful thing. It is a very powerful thing. You see this story. This wasn't just about Esther. 
It was about Mordecai. It was about people put in position in the right places at the right times and that God used them to fulfill the plan. Listen, right now, it takes all of us. We talked about Nehemiah rebuilding the wall. He didn't do it by himself. He used others. So today, please understand, God's called you to be a part of the team. He's calling, you, he's calling you off the bench to step in the game, be a part of the team, to do something for the kingdom. And it's a powerful thing. And you're like, man, I don't really know if I have much to offer. Listen, it's a powerful thing when you put it with someone else. When you put it together in the kingdom, it is a very powerful force. And I want the worship team to come up. And we're getting ready to celebrate some lives that have been changed in this church. And we're going to celebrate that through baptism. But today, I want to ask you this. And I want you to see if you would stand with me, please. Just stand with me, please. And once you stand, I want you to think for a moment today. What today is God speaking now to your heart? What is he speaking to you? What's he saying to you? I've, I've pointed back to where I love so many of these, these stories that we've studied in the Old Testament. They're, they're pictures that keep pointing back to the work of Christ. I believe this is another one. Of course, we get to see this. I, I believe it's a picture now that we see where Jesus does this. Jesus goes before the king, the one in authority. Again, he comes in flesh. And he goes before the king on our behalf. And he doesn't just do this. He doesn't just say, if I perish, I perish. He, he, he perished. He gave his life. So Jesus does this. Jesus steps in our place for our sin. He takes all the sin and shame that should be placed upon us and he places it upon himself. And he gives his life for us. And we're, we're going to celebrate lives that have put faith in that gospel message. And we know the rest of that story is that Jesus does this. Jesus comes back to life, sends to heaven, is going to come again. And now this is what's awesome. It's those who have put faith in that. He takes them now from that sentence of death that we see in the story. And he gives them the promise now of life. You know what he's going to do one day? There's going to be a, a, a crown placed upon your head. There's going to be a robe placed upon you. It's going to be a beautiful celebration. And it happens now because of what Christ did for us. So I want to ask you, just, just take a moment before we celebrate through baptism to let God speak to your heart right now. Let God speak to your heart. Hallelujah. Thank you for what you're going to do right now in this moment, God. For lives that are going to be changed today, God. As we celebrate those who have surrendered to you. Today, if the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart, I hope today you'll be open and be receptive to that. To just trust what he's speaking. Today, if, if for you, he's brought you here. He set all these things up in motion. All the things went into place to get you here for salvation. <laughs> Man, that's incredible. That's amazing. That's the reckless love of God. It chases us. Puts us in place for today. If that's you today, please quit running. Pastor Chris said, man, just turn your heart to him. Just turn your heart over to him. Uh, and just remember again what Christ did for us, the sacrifice that he gave. He's perished. He, he, he died so that we can have life today. And as we celebrate those in just a few moments have made that decision, maybe that's the decision you're supposed to make today. You know and God knows, and I encourage you to do this today. Just surrender to him. Just surrender to Him. <laughs> so I want to pray for you if that's you today. And in just a few moments, we're going to release those who need to get ready for baptism. And before that happens, today in just a moment, the worship team is going to be singing before baptism. And as they sing, we're going to open up our altars to pray. And I want to do this. If you need today to surrender your life to Christ, to step out from where you're at and come. 
And also this, if you just need prayer for another reason, you may, you may have already surrendered your life to Christ, you're a Christian, but, you, but you're like here, man, and you're saying, I, I'd love for some folks to pray with me. I'm going through a situation. There's some things going on in my life. I need some folks to pray with me. Let me go ahead and tell you about faith you need. It's a loving church family. They pray for you. They'll place their arms around you. won't judge you. They'll love you and pray for you. And today, if you need that today, as a worship team gets ready to sing, I want you to respond today in that. So just right now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Father, speak to hearts. Let those today who need to respond to move forward today. And God, as we get ready to celebrate in just a few moments, Lord, those who have made that decision, God, rejoice with all of heaven today. And we celebrate that today, God. And Lord, we thank you right now, Father, for those who need to respond and they'll respond accordingly. In Jesus' name. This has been a podcast of Pastor Terry Rogers brought to you by Faith Renewed. For more information about us, please visit faithrenewed.org. For questions, feel free to contact us via email at info at faithrenewed.org. Thank you.